I want to share something with you tonight and try to maybe change some imagery in your mind. So I want to give this a whirl. So get your Bibles out and go to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 12. 1 Peter 1, 12. Praise God. It says, to them it was revealed that was revealed that not to themselves, but to us, they were ministering the things which we now have been reported to you through those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. You see that? It says the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. All Sunday's message, I was talking about how you can just see this pattern of what God did. It was always the promise of the Father. It was always what God desired to do was send the Holy Spirit upon us. It was always his desire. And when there's an event took place, and Jesus is risen from the grave, and he goes to heaven, and he pours his blood out in heaven on the real mercy seat, and he pours it out, and, and then I don't know how it happened. The Bible doesn't give us specific instructions, but somehow or another that fulfilled what was needed, and I don't know, Jesus just looked at the Father and said, okay, now send the Holy Spirit. I don't know if that's how it worked or whatever. Don't get me on the you know, the details of this. Let me just preach it. But anyway, Jesus turns and he says to the Father, okay, I did it. Send the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came from heaven. Everybody say the Holy Spirit came from heaven. You know, I don't know why anybody wants to run from the Holy Spirit when it's the Holy Spirit that came from heaven, right? If God sent something down here, we should be embracing the Holy Spirit. We should be crying out for the wisdom of the Holy Spirit, crying out for his, his guidance, crying out for everything that is. We, that should be the, I mean, the greatest thing poured out. But yet people shrink back and they, you know, are scared or whatever. So I want to show you something because as I finished preaching this and I went home Sunday and I was just thinking about it, meditating and asking the Lord to keep revealing more and more to me, these, these scriptures popped up in my mind. And, and I got to thinking, isn't it funny how, how we set in our, our own thinking, our, in our own imagination, how we think it is? And have you ever imagined something, and then you actually went and saw it or went and was there, and uh, you were just like, <laughs> that isn't how I thought it was going to be, Right? When, when we took our trip, whatever it was, a couple of years ago, uh, and, and went over there, and, and we ended up hooking up with Pastor Wayne and Gwen, and then we went over to London, and they said they wanted to take us out to a, a show, and we were going to go see The Lion King, and I was like, you know, I didn't want to just throw water on the thing. I was like, why would I want to go see The Lion King, you know? I mean, go sit in a theater and do this, and not a movie, but it was a... It was the theatrical, whatever you call it, you know, thing. And I'm like, that's dumb. But, you know, I just like, yeah, okay. you know. And so we went, and I was just kind of dragging my feet and murmuring the whole time. And, and then we get into this thing, because you know, I, I was just expecting some actors on the stage and whatever. And this baby ticked off, you know, I mean, the, it ticked off and... All of a sudden, there was I was I was shocked. I was like, "How is that guy doing that?" I mean, they were all up on these uh, stilts, and but I mean, these mechanical-looking things and working them. And I'm like, "Oh my gosh!" And then I was like, "All like just in it, you know?" I was like, "Wow, look at that guy!" You know, I mean, what is he doing over there? How did he do that? You know, it was not what I imagined. <laughs> it was really something to see, something to hope. Well, let me ask you, when you pray, 
and you're thinking and you're praying and you're thinking about, okay, I'm going to go into the courts of heaven and I'm going to, you know, offer my petitions. What are you thinking about? This is what I want to, I want to just, if I don't get anything out of this message tonight, I just want to broaden your horizons and I want you just to kind of maybe like change. What, I mean, are you thinking it, does it look like a cathedral church to you? Does it look like, is there marble? Is it, you know, granite? Is it wood paneling? Uh, you see, most of the times we can only imagine something by, by taking pieces of what we've seen in life and then assimilating it. You can't imagine something that you've never experienced or seen. You have nothing on the inside of you to draw from, right? And so you start talking about the heaven. You start talking about heaven and, and what's there and what does the court look like and what's taking place. And I guarantee you, we get to heaven, we're going to be shocked. We're going to say, uh, this wasn't what I was thinking. You know, is this going to be? So let's look at some scripture here. Go to Hebrews chapter 9. I want to start in verse 6. I want to talk about Jesus in heaven. And about that moment when he sent the Holy Spirit down. It says, now when these things had been. Okay, let me stop for a second. Just stop for a second. I don't want to go back because I'll spend too much time. But if you go back and you study the Old Testament. And you go back and you begin to look at God setting up the tabernacle and the instructions he gave Moses and how the tabernacle was supposed to be set up. It was so, it was so detailed. And it was, the tabernacle had to be a certain way. And then the tribes of Israel, they had to be on certain sides and, and, and camping on the sides, you know, by tribe and by numbers of them. And then there was, you know, there were, they, were, they didn't just get to go out there and just po- put their tent pole anywhere they wanted to. It was, it was sectioned, and it was very regimented. And I mean, Moses was an extremely detailed person. And so, you know, they had their lines drawn on. And, and they say if you, if, you, if you saw that and then you flew over it as an aerial photo, it would be a perfect picture of a cross because of the numbers of the, tri- the, numbers of the people and the way they were set up. So the point I'm trying to say is here's these people, and they're literally making a living cross on the ground with the glory of God in the middle of it, with the fire coming up and the angel and the glory and all this stuff is taking place. And, but nobody could ever have got an aerial view. It wasn't like the kid was flying his drone one day and said to dad, hey, cool, look at this. It looks like a cross. Right? So they just were out there camping and sitting there, tent, just do it because Moses said this and do it. There's the line. Get the line straight. You know, make sure it's all lined up here. And they're just putting it in there. And nobody's thinking about that. They're making a cross with the glory in the middle of it. And it's a pattern of what was in heaven. I think a lot of us, we're just going through the motions where sometimes we're just going and doing it because God said do it. Maybe we're just praying because God said pray. We're just reading our Bible because God said read the Bible, and we don't get the full picture. But that's what the Holy Spirit's for. He said he would guide us into all things and show us all these things so that we could see from an aerial view the glory. What is it? Oh, man, that's the cross. But without the Holy Spirit, you're just driving your tent peg, murmuring. I don't know why we have to sit on this side. It seems like it's always windier over here, you know. Or, oh, there, old Reuben over there, his tribe's always kicking up the dust. Blows over here on us, you know. Why don't we, how could we get over there? And that's how we live our lives as Christians. Not realizing that you're a part of the body of Christ, and all the tent pegs are being put in there, and you're forming the body of Christ 
on earth with Jesus in the middle of it. So back to Hebrews 9, 6. Now, when these things, because this is talking about the comparison to the temple in heaven versus the temple that was on earth. Now, when these things had, be, had thus prepared, the priest always went into the first part of the tabernacle performing the service. But into the second part, the high priest went only once a year, not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the people's sins committed in ignorance. The Holy Spirit, indicating this is the way into the holiest of all, was not yet made manifest while the first tabernacle was still standing. It was symbolic for the present time in which both the gifts and the sacrifices are offered, which cannot make him who performed the service perfect in regard to the conscience, concerning only with foods and drink and various washings and fleshly ordinances imposed until the time of reformation. But Christ came as high priest of the good things to come. Now, here we go again. So they're out there, you know, and you go read through Leviticus, you go read through Exodus and Leviticus and, you know, even Numbers, and it lays all this out. The priest had to do just, I mean, there was, golly, folks, there was so much to do. There was no, I mean, there was washings and there was preparation and there were certain guys that had to do certain things. The only thing I always thought was interesting that at once a, 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 a man reached 50, he was taken out of service. He had to retire at 50. I don't know what he did after that. Maybe he sharpened the knives or something. I don't know. But uh, I always thought that was interesting. But it was a very detailed thing. And everything had to be prim and proper. Everything had to be just right. But the people got into that so much that they began to look at that as what was saving them. So as a Christian, you could be getting into you're praying and that's what's saving you. But wait a minute, it's not you're praying that's saving you, it's the one you're praying to saving you. See how easy it is to get caught up in religion? See how easy it is to take this blessed word of God that has, is a life-giving word and turn this thing into a book of torment? It's easy to do without the Holy Ghost. But if you got the Holy Ghost, because he says right here the Holy Ghost is revealing it, and then the Holy Ghost is in your life and you have a relationship and you understand what God was doing. He sent the promise of the Father to you. Then all of a sudden the Spirit of God begins to open up and illuminate everything. He says, yeah, you're, you're, you're driving your tent stakes here because Jesus is coming and he's going to hang on a cross. And that's going to be the redemption for mankind. And you're, you're a symbol of that. And if you just could elevate yourself a little higher, you would see it's the cross. So he goes on, he says, not with the blood of goats or calves, but with his own blood, he entered into the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of heifers sprinkled on the unclean, uh, the unclean sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works, to serve the living God. For he is the mediator of a new covenant by means of death for the redemption of the transgression under the first covenant that those who are called may receive the promise of eternal inheritance. You see that? He delivered us. He cleansed our conscience from dead works. What would be dead works? 
And I'm telling you, it's Christians going through the motions without the Spirit. It's dead works. Because our, our, our strength, our, I don't care how, I don't care that you can quote me all the scriptures. I don't care you can read the Bible forwards and backwards. Without the Spirit, you got nothing. You're just heady. You just, you just got, you know, a lot of knowledge with no life. The other day I was reading an article, and I looked at this, and I can't remember the word. And, and, and there was a word that somebody called another congressman or something. And I thought, what in the world does that mean? And so then <laughs> I got the dictionary out, and I looked up the word. It took me like four times to get it typed in right. And I finally got it typed in, looked at it, and it meant that you were, you know, like a, a, a suck-up, you know, there's some other words I could say, but I'm trying to think of the good ones. Yeah. And so and that's what the word meant. I started laughing. I said, somebody could come up and say that to me. It was a psychopant, I think, or a psychopant. A sycopant. Sycopant, that was the word. Somebody come up and said, Robert, you're a sycopant. I say, really? Something wrong with my pants? I don't, I don't understand what you're talking about. It wouldn't even have insulted me because I don't even know what the word means. Right? Never heard it before in my life. I mean, I don't mind pleading ignorance on this one. I mean, that is not a word we said around the ranch growing up. Okay? We had other words. But that were the, the other words down there of what it meant, okay? The uglier ones. But my point is, I believe that, 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 that the Holy Ghost could be saying things to us, but we're so caught up in dead works, we don't even know what he's talking about. Right? Okay, but he said he would cleanse our dead consciences if we would let him. If we let him come and say, Holy Ghost, help me here. Teach me. Teach me. Okay, now go over to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 11. It says, every high priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sin. Think of that. That is so sad that they're there every day. Offering the sacrifices, going through the motions, doing this, 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 this motion. That, man, folks, listen to me. I mean, I know most of us around here, you've gutted a deer. But can you imagine standing and offering 100,000 sheep in a day? The blood, the flies, the, 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 the smell, the, the everything that you went through. After a while, you're just cutting throats, man. You're not even thinking about this is going to help old Henry over there that brought this lamb in here because he's a sinner. They ain't even thinking about that. They're just trying to get through the day and not cut their finger. Right? Oh, my gosh, how many Christians are living like that? They're just going through the motions. Just, they're just sacrificing the sheep, but they've lost the spirit of everything that's in there. That's when we've got to have the Holy Spirit. We got churches coming up with all kinds of crazy doctrines and doing all kinds of stuff because they do not have the Holy Spirit to say, uh, this is wrong. Yet people are freaked out. Oh, don't talk to me about the Holy Ghost, you know. They offered repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sin. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sin forever, sat down at the right hand of God. And from that time, waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. For by one offering, 
He has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. Now, we're the ones being sanctified. With me, we're in a process. Nobody got saved and you got sanctified in one. You got saved and then by grace we're walking out the sanctification process with the help of the Holy Ghost, helping us to be get better and better and better and better. Amen? And he says, But the Holy Spirit also witnessed to us, for after he had said before, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord, I'll put my law into their hearts and into their minds I'll write them. Then he added their sins and their lawless deeds I'll remember no more. Now where there's a remission of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. So he says it's the Holy Spirit. This is the promise of the Father coming down into us to get into our hearts and to come in here and to show us and remind us and illuminate and open up our minds. So we're saying, get rid of those dead works. Quit sacrifice. Quit bringing your sheep to the, to the holy place. It's already been done. Jesus has got it. But we're wanting to drag a sheep in there. Because we're trying to do an offering or a sacrifice because we're trying to just follow this because it feels like we need to be a part of it. We need to do something. We need to do some penance. Look at verse 19. Hebrews 10, 19. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest. Okay, folks, listen. you got to understand how dramatic this was. When the Apostle Paul's teaching this, or whoever the writer of Hebrews was, when he's teaching this, he, he, nobody ever thought of this. Only the high priest went into the, the Holy of Holies, right? So for me to say that to the congregation that day, everybody gone, what? We're supposed to have boldness to go behind the veil? You can't do that. This was, this was earth-shattering to, to, for, for people in their, their, their traditional doctrine and thinking. We read it and we're like, glory to God, blood of Jesus, God is in there. Because we're not Jewish. We weren't raised this way. Okay, come on now. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and a living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil, that is... His flesh, having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Okay, so so he's saying here to us, Look, there's a new and living way. You're supposed to go behind the veil. You're supposed to be here in the presence of God, but you need to come in boldly because there's something happening that you've got you to grab hold of. This is what he's trying to get across to them. There's something happening here. Now, you've got to understand, to the Jewish person, at, when the high priest came out and he knew that the blood had been poured on there, they knew their sins were, were, were taken care of for a year, and they all went, Now, when the glory cloud was there in the original days of the tabernacle, you know, and the glory's there and they're out there, everybody said, wow. Okay? Now, Paul says, or the writer of Hebrews says, 
You're going to go in there, and you're going to walk in there, and you're going to go boldly back there. And they're like, what? You get smoked if you go back there. They're like, no, no, because there's something crying out. It's sitting on the mercy seat. There's something. The blood that got poured out was not the blood of a lamb. It was not the blood of, a, uh, uh, of the sacrifice. It's not that animal blood sitting there. It is the blood of Jesus, and that blood is speaking. <laughs> that blood says something. It's talking, talking blood. Go to chapter 12. Verse 22. 1222. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, to the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and the church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven. I'm glad I'm registered in heaven. If I ever been registered anywhere, I'm glad I'm registered in heaven. I'm glad my name's in the books and where I'm registered. Like, you know, like, you, you ever mess with registered dogs, registered cows, you know, registered horses? I mean, I'm registered in heaven. You don't know where my registration is? My registration's in heaven. You go look it up. It says, we're registered in heaven. To the God, the judge of all, to the spirits of the just men made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. We saw the blood speaking. That blood crying out over us, that blood speaking over our life. Now, what I said about changing your imagery is this. One thing that you've got to have in your imagery is that the blood of Jesus is inside the Holy of Holies crying out for you. And the reason why you can become boldly in there is because you made Jesus the Lord of your life, and the blood saying... Let them in. And if anybody was to stop you, you say, well, talk to the blood. The devil wants to come up and say, you don't have a right to go in there. Look, I, I, talk to the blood. One thing in your imagery that you've got to see when you go to the throne and you're praying, there's blood sitting there crying out for you that you have the right to do that. Jesus is the mediator. He's the high priest. He's standing over there, and he calls his shots because it's his blood. I tell the Lord this a lot of times. I say, Lord, you know, I didn't make up the rules. I'm just abiding by what you say. You said I could come boldly. My mind sometimes says I have no right. But you said it. You said that I'm sitting with you at the right hand of the throne of God. And I, I'll stand over here in the corner, Lord. It doesn't, I don't need to be sitting at the right hand of the throne of God. You know, just let me through the door. I just want to be in. But you made the rules, and this is what you said. You said, come boldly. You see, folks, we can't have an imagery of, of, of a little quaint church like like you see some of these pictures of, you know, like little quaint rural Irish churches or something. You can have this kind of imagery in your mind of what you're, where you're praying at your throne, at the throne. 
You can't, you can't develop this little small imagery that you're just going to go crawling up to the front and, and ask Jesus, oh, Jesus, Lord, please, can you? No, you got to get this idea. you got to get this imagery in you. I don't know how to tell you how to decorate it, okay? But I do know how to tell you how to enter. And I do know how to tell you what's in there and what it's saying. It's saying you're holy and unblameable and unreprovable for him because of the blood of Jesus. It's saying that you're righteous. It's saying that you're whole and complete, that he's working a good work in you. It's saying out over you that you're going to succeed and that you're going to be blessed and that he is with you. It's also saying you're going to go through tribulation, but don't be worried because through the tribulation, you're going to get stronger in faith and I'm going to be with you more. You see, this is what's speaking and going on in the throne room. And it's not you're coming in there and, and, Lord, what are you doing? I mean, my gosh, hadn't you been down to earth lately and seen the mess that's going on down there? No. It's coming to the throne and saying, Lord, here I am. I'm your servant. Thank you for the Holy Ghost helping me out to figure out what to do. Thank you he's leading me and guiding me and directing me. And the whole time, if you're even concerned, just look over at the mercy seat where the blood is. Because that blood's speaking over you, that you have a right to be there. You have a right to pray. You have a right to see answers to your prayers. You have a right to be encouraged, not discouraged. Hello? A right to walk in blessings. Because of what Jesus did for us. So, I didn't make the rules. He made the rules. His blood's crying out. He set the rules and he's in charge. I'm just going to get in agreement with it. Amen? So quit listening to the devil. Quit listening to the, the, to, to, to the lies inside of your head and your heart saying that, you know, you don't have any rights or privileges. Listen to what the Word of God says. Look, into what, look at, look at what, what the high priest is saying. And, and get in order. Get in line. Come boldly. Amen? Amen. And let the Holy Ghost show you. Well, praise God. So the next time you're talking to somebody, they're all discouraged and everything, just ask them, say, have you, have you listened to the Holy Ghost lately? And then, who knows? It may be like Acts 19. They say, I don't know. We've not even heard of the Holy Ghost. And so you say, well, let me show let me, let me help you here. He was sent from heaven to you. It says right there in 1 Peter. Amen. Amen. Well, stand up and let me pray for everyone. Father, right now in Jesus' name, I just pray that we all tonight, everyone listening and watching this message, Lord God, that tonight our, our, our imagery would change. That, Lord, we would wake up in the morning or whenever we're praying or we're talking to you, Lord, or whatever's going on, we just see what's going on in the throne. So that we could come boldly, Lord God, and know that the blood of Jesus is crying out for us. Jesus, thank you so much. Thank you for what you did, that you gave your life for us so that we could walk in this blessing. And so, Lord, I pray over everyone. I pray our hearts change, our minds change. Give us dreams, give us visions, give us revelations. Holy Ghost, just lead us so that we're not walking in the old sacrifice. We're walking in the new. And, Lord, bless them. Bless their finances, bless their business, bless them, Lord God. And everywhere we go, Lord, let us tell everybody about Jesus. Lord, we give you praise for it.
In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. God bless you, church.